0: Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life Podcast. I'm Donna Schill here, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. Just as we sat down to record this Apple Spring Buyer's Guide episode today, Apple released a yellow iPhone 14 and 14 Plus in honor of spring. So naturally I wanted to record a new intro to the episode to let you know that this can be added to your options for spring Apple products. Uh, David and I both think it's a nice shade. If he was getting an iPhone 14 or 14 Plus, still go with the blue i'd get the yellow these aren't available in the pro models though and we both prefer to stick with our pros but we thought you should know for all the those of you in the market for an iphone 14 you can now get it in yellow march 10th you can pre-order march 14th you can actually order and in all other ways besides the color it's the same as the iphone 14 line now stay tuned for the rest of the episode Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life Podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life.
1: And I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher.
0: Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. We've got a great episode for you today going over all of Apple's spring announcements. So if you've been in the market for an Apple device, stay tuned for this episode. I wanted to just let you know that we're really excited to be back from our hiatus. You may have noticed it's March. It's been a while since we've had an episode.
1: (laughs) We missed you guys. Hopefully you missed us, but not too much. Uh, But we're really excited because part of the hiatus was to regroup and come up with a plan to make sure that we're delivering the absolute best quality podcast we could.
0: So we are, on that note, switching to monthly instead of a bi-weekly schedule. So this is our March episode. Um, Whenever there's an Apple announcement, we will do a live episode, though, to go over everything Apple just announced, so you can rely on us for that. Uh, So before we get into all of the latest products from Apple, that's going to include new MacBooks and a new Mac Mini and a new HomePod, the original Mm -hmm. big size, (laughs) we're going to go over our usual sections. We've got some great gear recommendations and some tips and insider questions that we want to share with you. So first I wanna talk about our daily tip newsletter. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tip, you can sign up to get a one minute tip in your inbox every morning that teaches you something cool you can do with your iPhone. So that means you can just drink your morning coffee, check out a tip and really maximize your productivity, learn something cool, it with friends it's really great we have how many subscribers now
1: over four hundred thousand.
0: yeah so it's our most popular free newsletter go sign up at iphonelife.com daily tip
2: this week's episode of the iphone life podcast is brought to you by informant 5. informant 5 is a calendar app for the iphone ipad apple watch and mac which combines a bunch of productivity functions into one interface This means that all of your tasks, meetings, contacts and notes can be found in one place. Personally, I find that Apple's calendar app can be a little confusing to use. Informant 5 has improved on this concept by adding more functionality and making the interface simpler to use. For instance, in the monthly view on Apple's calendar app, sometimes you'll just see a little dot if you have something scheduled. Informant 5 is a little better in this regard because in the monthly view, you can actually see the text of everything you have scheduled in the month. They've got a free trial going on right now. Check it out, try it for yourself. You can look up Informant 5 on the App Store or go to pocketinformant.com to find it. Upgrade your calendar app today with Informant 5.
0: I've got a tip I wanna share with you all today and that's how to let certain contacts get through your focus mode and still hear your phone ring when they call you. So If you don't know what a focus mode is, I'll back up quick and tell you that. A couple years ago, Apple came out with a feature that lets you tailor the notifications, calls, and um, what else, text messages that you get when you're in certain focus modes. Uh, For instance, if you're working out, that way you can filter out certain things. If you're at work, you can customize it so you only see Slack or certain text messages from coworkers and you don't get all the other distractions. But that can be a little bit too extreme of a filter for some of us if there are certain people that you always want to hear from, say, your spouse or kids in case something happens. You don't want to potentially miss out on those. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that can be a little worrisome with focus modes, even though overall I'd say this is an awesome feature. I use the work focus mode all the time.
1: Do you use it? I'm not a work focus mode person unless I'm in a meeting and trying to not have messages, especially I often share I use a lot of my computer, actually, because I'll often share my screen and I don't want messages popping up. Mm-hmm. But I use it, I'm big fan of the sleep focus mode. Like, when I go to oh. bed, I always put it on sleep mode because it, A, dims my phone, and B, then I don't have text messages while I sleep.
0: Yeah, especially if you have the iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max with the always-on display, you're going to want that. So yes. it doesn't, like, <laughs> ha- glow in your room all night long. Yeah. Um, but you can also, by default, it will apply across all of your devices if you enable a focus mode, but you can go tailor that and just have it on your Mac, like you're saying.
1: One thing I've really enjoyed with the sleep focus mode, though, is that I have it set up so that when the sleep focus mode goes on, it actually changes my um, home screen. And it kind of just removes all of the like apps that distract me. And so... I have it so that when it goes on, it goes on automatically around the time I'm trying to go to bed. And then if I am still awake and trying to use my phone, it just makes it a little bit more annoying to use my phone. And it's a good kind of subtle reminder to me to put my phone down and go to bed.
0: Yeah, that's a nice, a nice feature. So let's get back to it. In general, it's nice to go over the tips in the podcast because we can give more context. Like. You can learn how to do this in one minute, but for those of you who don't know what the focus mode is to (laughs) begin with or why you would want to use it, it's nice that we can give you our use cases here. Yes. So go to the Settings app, tap Focus, Do Not Disturb. Um, This is a Do Not Disturb expanded feature. Um, So then from Do Not Disturb, you can tap on People, and from there you can allow calls from your favorites. So if in the phone and messages, um, if in the phone app you have favorite contacts, which is sort of like your speed dial from the old days, um, you can hear from those people that you've selected or you can just tap add people from there and choose custom people that you want just for that focus mode. So I actually don't use favorites because I want to customize it to the focus mode that I have enabled. Mm -hmm. Um, For my work focus mode, I only am allowing calls from my coworkers. Um, So I go and add them all in manually. So that is our tip of the day. (laughs) Uh, And moving on, we are teaching a security course right now. So we've been getting all kinds of questions from all of you about security related things. So I thought it'd be on theme to share one of our recent questions uh, that has to do with password management. This course is part of iPhone Life Insider, which is our premium educational service for apple enthusiasts. It's an amazing way to make sure that you're getting the most out of these devices that we invest a lot of money in and making sure that you're maximizing all of the benefits of your devices in your daily life. So, you can sign up for Insider by going to iphonelifecom discount and you get 30% off an annual subscription just for being one of our podcast listeners. You also can claim an extra 10% off if you're a senior service personnel or veteran.
1: And it's not too late to join the security course. So we're mm-hmm. about halfway through, but we have on, available on demand recordings of all of our past courses, including the first two lessons of our security course. This has been the most popular course we ever taught. It's available exclusively to insiders. So if you sign up now, you can watch the recordings of the first two episodes and then first two lessons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then join us live for the remaining six lessons.
0: Yeah, so all of our live courses and recorded courses, premium guides, downloadable PDFs, digital magazine, uh, one-on-one help from our tech experts, that's all included with your Insider subscription. And in the security course that's going on right now, as David said, we're going over everything from the best password managers to how to browse online without... Ad profiles being created for you that have too much data on you, how to protect yourself against phishing scams. We have it all in here, and we have a really great security expert in-house, Colin Thomas, who's teaching it. So go to iphonelife.com podcastdiscount slash podcast discount and get that 30% off. All right, so back to this question. We have Annette who wrote in saying, Is there any way to port over my passwords from an Excel spreadsheet? After the last three password, after the last free password workshop. I want to change most of my passwords. Is there any way to do that? I have a Mac, iPad, and iPhone to work with. So our answer to you, Annette, is that yes, luckily you can import passwords into um, Apple's password management system. So in general, we really like iCloud Keychain, which is Apple's password solution. We also like other um this other open source password manager called Bitwarden. There's a bunch of great password managers out there. And in general, whatever password manager you want to use and you want to port over passwords to, that is a feature that is available. So in this case, we're just gonna talk about iCloud Keychain.
1: And I, I think one of the important things here and the reason why presumably Annette is trying to transfer over, one of our biggest recommendations is that you only use one password manager. So over the years, a lot of times people end up having passwords stored in multiple places. Let's say you use Chrome, so you have some passwords in Chrome, some passwords stored on iCloud Keychain, maybe you've used another password manager. It's way, way more efficient to use just one password manager. Otherwise, what ends up happening, and this has happened to me in the past, I'll go to log in and I'll have three separate passwords for an account because... I'll have one that I have in one manager, one that I have in a second one, and if I ha- if that happens to me, then I don't know which one's the right, correct one. So having all your passwords stored and managed in one service, whether it's iCloud Keychain or Bitwarden or something else, is the right approach, but in order to do that, you have to first start by consolidating all the places you may have previously stored passwords. So if you have this happened, this is a good solution for you to take them and put them all in one place
0: yeah we really can't stress this enough because the whole point of password management is well there are two things one is to make sure you're extra secure and then also it's to simplify your life because ideally once you're using a password manager you only need one to remember one password to get in there and then you've got everything saved in there but if you're using multiple ones you're falling back on the same problem where you're having trouble logging into your accounts you're scrambling to look for your correct password, and (laughs) that defeats the whole purpose. (laughs) And not
1: only is it to defeat the purpose, but if the password manager stopped working for you because you haven't set them up properly, then you're going to end up falling back on what a lot of people do, which is using the same password everywhere so you can remember it. But that Mm. is a very insecure practice. So, okay. Okay. So...
0: The big thing with this is it's really simple to find where you go and import your passwords. You do it on your Mac. By the way, you can't do it on your iPhone or iPad. Um, But there's the caveat that you have to have your spreadsheet formatted correctly in a way that your iCloud keychain is going to recognize it. So we don't know how, Annette, how you have your Excel spreadsheet set up. So the way we would recommend getting started is to, make sure that that Excel spreadsheet is formatted right. And a surefire way to do that is go check out what passwords Google has stored for you. If you use Google at all and sign into accounts um, using Chrome, you're probably having some passwords stored there because by default that feature is turned on. So go in and find your passwords there, export them, and when you do that, you're going to open up that spreadsheet, and we just recommend pasting all the, the logins that you have from your other spreadsheet into this one using the same columns and rows that are already there. And then from there, you're going to go into the system settings on your Mac, go to passwords, and from there, there's an option to import passwords and import that Excel spreadsheet. Uh, when you're saving the updates to that spreadsheet, also make sure you're not changing the file type. So. And that's how you do it. <laughs> Again, if you run into any snags along the way, because that's a bit of a, uh, you know, detailed process, it's really great to have an insider subscription because you can use, you can message us at Ask an Expert, and we help you, you know, figure out all the little details. Yeah,
1: especially for things that are a little bit complicated like this. A couple final thoughts here. Number one, just a reminder, Donna was giving you guys directions for how to do this for iCloud keychain. Um, so that's one of the many password solutions you can use. It's one that I love because it's built into Apple. But it really is ideal if you are using all Apple products, including Safari. If you're a Chrome user, if you're a PC user, you may want to check out a third-party password manager such as Bitwarden. Uh, and then the final point here, which is we've said a couple times, a lot of this is stuff we're covering that we went over in a lot, a lot more detail in the class. So if you're listening yeah. to this and you're thinking, wow, that's useful, but oh my God, that's a lot of information... The class might be right for you. And if so, iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. You can subscribe, watch the first free lessons, first two lessons where we cover password management uh, as well as a lot of other things and then attend live and Donna will be teaching along with Colin.
0: Yeah, it's been so much fun. Um so we now are going to go over some comments from listeners since it's been a hiatus we have a couple that we want to read out. Um <laughs> then we do have some gear recommendations and then we'll spend the second half of this episode talking all about all the new Apple gear. I have heard some comments from some of you being like hey, you know, the podcast is on this theme and it takes you a while to get to it. We have our regular sections that we do, but you can always check out it's usually the second half of the episode is where we get into a theme if we do have one. So uh, sit tight. So we had, um, let's see, Trish wrote in, and I thought this was a great suggestion. Good morning, I'm a little late, but I finished listening to your episode on Freeform. You spoke of the new Freeform app and its possible uses. This is Apple's um, app recently that's a whiteboard app, and we talked about some of the possible ways you could use it. I wanted to recommend an app that you probably are familiar with, but some of your listeners who are teachers, students, or frequent meeting participants may not know about. It's called Notability. It's a wonderful app. It's a wonderful app that works across all Apple devices, but especially is great for the iPod, iPad, and iPhone. I have dyslexia and ADHD. I'm also 64 and have several college degrees and recently completed my doctorate. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, Notability got me through. If I'm writing, I'm not listening. If I'm listening, I'm not writing. Somehow, I always miss something. With Notability, it can record the lesson, lecture, or meeting. And every time I stop to write, it timestamps the recording. That way, I use this um, in meetings and classes to jot down a placeholder. And later, when I'm home and not distracted, I'll go to those timestamped spots and uh, be able to listen to what I marked. And she also recommends Stage Manager for teachers and others who use Zoom frequently and need to share your screen. Unless I'm doing something wrong, Stage manager if Stage Manager is on, you can't access the Stage desktop from inside the Zoom app. So you do need to toggle it off before starting your Zoom. Thanks for all, Trish. So thanks so much for writing in, Trish. I hope you're listening to this episode. Um, notability is one that a lot of our writers have Recommended over the years. So I thought that was a good one to share and bring to people's attention. It goes a lot further than Freeform in terms of, you know, as she mentioned, it's more of a note taking app than a whiteboard app, but still just thought it was a, a great recommendation. We also had a message from Phil who listened into our podcast where we talked about Mac OS Ventura, the latest Mac OS operating system. And he was saying um, the system settings, it's a lot more like the iPhone and iPad. And we talked about that. But he was saying that there's a weird thing that when you open system settings, it takes you straight to your appearance screen instead of like taking you back to the last thing you're open on or even to the top option. And I just want to touch that. And and the same thing is happening for me. And he said he even wrote in to Apple and, um, and they said it's a... Oh no! I assume this is a small bug that Apple <laughs> fixed. Now he didn't write into. Apple. Yeah, no,
1: because it's weird. Because it is, it does seem to be a, a bug. Like I can't imagine Apple thought appearance is the default, the best default place to take everybody, right? Yeah,
0: it's odd. Um, so yes, that's happening for us too. Um, and then he was also mentioning every time he connects his iPhone to his MacBook, he gets a pop-up that asks if it's a trusted device or not. And I just wanted to say that's something that's always happened. Um, as far as I remember,
1: um, you always got to pop up when you connect your iPhone to your computer, but there is a new category of pop-ups that come up now, which are asking if you trust devices. I've noticed it a lot where I, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I connect my computer to the TV a lot so that I can put my computer up on a big screen. Mm-hmm. And when I plug that in, especially if I'm using a new cable or if it's a new TV, it says, do you trust this? That is new from Ventura. So it might be yeah. a slightly different pop-up than it used to be with a, with a for your iPhone. I'm not totally sure because I sort of make it a habit of never – or not never. But I don't plug my iPhone into my computer very much. I like iCloud for backing up and syncing. And
0: it is a good point. Now that I think of it, I feel like it used to happen. Like you could make it a trusted device, and then it just was trusted going forward. And now with this, it's every single time.
1: <laughs> Which sounds like a bug because in general for me, when I'm like – it happened to me when I updated Ventura. For example, I have a, mon- a second monitor in my office. So when I plugged it in, suddenly it was like, do you trust this? It might be dangerous. And I'm like, I've used this monitor for years with this computer. So yeah. yes, I trusted it. But there was a def- there was an option that said, don't ask me again. And then it didn't ask me again the next time I plugged it into the monitor. So I'm assuming you checked for that, Phil. It seemed like you checked this out pretty thoroughly. But I, I think that might be a bug for, in part- for whatever use case you're doing. But definitely check because there should be an option to don't ask me again.
0: Yeah. So Phil, thank you for testing out uh, the Mac OS two and writing in your experiences. You know, you classified these in the subject line as small glitches. Um, so it sounds like overall you're enjoying it, but is a good to keep an eye on these things. And he also says, great job to you and David with the podcast. Thank, thank you. you, Phil, and to you and Colin with the classes. So I'll make sure to pass that along to Colin
1: too. I will say overall, I am very much enjoying the new system settings for mac as opposed to what used to be called systems preferences i believe Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to navigate and it's a lot more intuitive because we have it for iphone as well
0: it is just nice the more we're getting like continuity across devices
1: yeah it is nice having continuity it is there is something that cracks me up about it a little bit though because apple is so insistent that they will never merge operating systems so instead what they do is just keep porting features back and forth until they're basically the same operating system i know <laughs> yeah so um,
0: gear do yes you want to talk about your gear first
1: sure i have a new one mine's an app actually oh Okay. Yeah, so it's an app and gear section. Uh, I want to stand up for those apps out there. So I have started, I have. I don't even know if I told you this, I have started learning guitar again. You
0: did tell me that. Okay. I actually was just thinking about that the other day and was like, I wonder how his skills are coming along.
1: Um, I don't know that my skills are coming on that great, but I'm really <laughs> enjoying it. So I played guitar as... You know, when I was growing up, when I was, in you know, like 10, 11 years old, I haven't played in like 10, 20 years. Uh, My partner bought me a guitar as a gift. And so I'm relearning how to play. I'm having a lot of fun with it. But I also live in a small town where we don't have a ton of great music resources. So I decided to use an app. Uh, And I, there's a million out there. uh, I would love recommendations because I'm not necessarily... I would like to try a bunch of them. I tested a few Mm -hmm. out though. And the one I've landed on is Fender. Fender, of course, mostly makes guitars, but now they have a education app to learn how to play guitar. Uh, They have a free trial. It's around $19.99 a month after that free trial, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, They have, it's a nice blend of different features where it has a path so it can guide you through like everything you need to know to master your guitar. Uh and it kind of makes sure you cover all the skills, but it has a lot of uh does it around learning songs a lot, which I enjoy because yeah for me it's fun to learn songs while I'm learning guitar. Uh and they have features where it has, you know, they have teachers that go pretty slow, but then they have like a practice session where it has like all of the chords on the screen and I can play along with it. So it's a very feature-rich. I've enjoyed it for $20 a month. I feel like I've actually, you know. A little bit learned how to play guitar.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I have heard that learning a song is the best way because it gives you such a like gratification, a payoff of like being able to have something you can like share with friends and family. Right yeah, away.
1: yeah, exactly. Um,
0: is it just for guitar, or does it also cover some other instruments?
1: There, I will have to double check. I believe, and you will be interested to know this: ukulele.
0: Okay, because I you're inspiring <laughs> me. Part of um part of what I was thinking about with you was that um, I just have been. Fixing up my home office and was dusting off my ukulele and was like, I really should learn how to play this. Dave is learning to play the guitar. Surely I can learn how to play the ukulele, which is supposed to be easier. Um, so I'll totally check that out. You
1: should check it out for ukulele, uh, yeah. and I believe bass as well. And the other thing that's fun about it is when you're choosing your like path of what how you want to learn to play. Uh, they have different genres, so you can choose mm. between like folk rock, blues, and a few others so you, like and then all the songs are in that genre and so I, I found it really fun.
0: That's so fun. Are do you like do they recommend you like do exercises daily or are you just doing this once in a while? Oh, the they weekend? definitely send
1: me notifications and yell at me every day when i don't do it. Yeah. Uh, um so i'm sure i should be doing it more, but i'm i'm slowly, slowly ma- making my way. I did folk for the record.
0: I feel like once you um learn your first song or maybe already have we should post it on the podcast
1: no, definitely <laughs> not <laughs> sure i'll do that when you post your ukulele playing okay on the podcast. maybe next year <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do enjoy it i do recommend it i also am open to testing other apps um uh, no actually it's uh, it, i'll give you a twofer because fender also has a second app which is silly i don't know why they don't combine apps for tuning your guitar so mm. back in the day <laughs> Back in my day, <laughs> uh, I had to walk to school uphill both ways. No, uh, I had to, when you tune guitar back in the day, you would have to do it by ear and you'd like go to the second fret and go nah, nah, and like line it all up. Now they have apps for that. Uh, and Fender has an app, it's free. And basically you play each each string and it, and it tells you how to adjust it to make sure it's in tune. Um, so for guitar players out there, uh, that's a bonus app for you as well. And that probably works for you lately, Or I'm, I know they really have ones for you lately.
0: Yeah, that's when um, I used Musician for. So I was just going to mention I've used a paid app before okay. to learn some ukulele uh, chords. It's called Musician. They have a singing option, guitar, ukulele. I can't remember what else. It was I think a little cheaper every month, but I did find it was it felt more limited um, in terms of songs. Like they were like little kind of sing songy kids sounding songs so it was good for if you're a total beginner just to like get playing a little bit but it sounds like with fender you can pick out some songs that you might be like more excited to learn
1: yeah they had a pretty good range of songs and they also had songs that were a uh good for beginners or good for whatever level you're at and b they simplified they simplified songs that were more complex to make them easy if you were a beginner Um, And that, that was really nice for me because I, the other option that a lot of people do that I kind of tried is like, just go on YouTube and YouTube, a random song, but then they don't go very slow. They don't explain the chords and they don't necessarily do like the simplest version. And I tried doing that and I was like, yeah, no, (laughs) like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here.
0: No, that's where I am fully willing to pay for a service. That's going to break it down for me. Um, my boyfriend is a musician he said the same thing he's like just go on youtube and find a song you want to learn and learn it yeah it was like hmm, mm, cool must be nice to be you yeah,
1: glad that works for you <laughs> <laughs> all right so
0: moving on i wanted to tell you about um i've got some gear for today i've got these solar powered earbuds called the urbanista Phoenix. okay
1: i've been seeing those on your desk all week and i'm like what is that
0: you're like oh so i was gonna say I have to start out with a complaint. Probably <laughs> David saw them and was like, oh, Donna has dentures now?
1: <laughs> I didn't think dentures. I thought I thought medical smart device was where my head went.
0: Yeah. Not so going to lie. It's sort of like a beige color. It's the same size as my retainer case. It really looks like a retainer <laughs> case. So that's where I got like the denture thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, so the design-wise leaves something to be desired. But that's really just for the case itself. And it needs to be big because it has a solar panel on it. The thing that's so cool about it, though, is that it charges from indoor and outdoor light. So you can just have it sitting on your desk inside, and it's charging. And does it
1: effectively charge? Like, are you because a lot of times people will like slap a solar thing on in the front, and it's a little bit gimmicky. But like, are you actually getting battery life from it?
0: So I've had I've I got these a week ago, and I've been using them. I haven't plugged them in once, and the battery isn't a problem so far. I'm gonna probably you know I think I'll need a little longer before I can definitively say. Um, the case itself has a 34 hour battery reserve. Okay. So again, it makes the trade off of for the size of it a little more worth it. Cause that's pretty great. And eight hours of playtime from the earbuds. So it could just be that I haven't worked through the 34 hours yet and it will be an issue, but I'm thinking like I make sure to have it like set out on my desk. And so far it seems to be working. It's
1: a cool idea. Um, well, and it makes sense too, because a lot of times where it's gimmicky is like, if you're trying to charge an iPhone from a solar panel, you need a lot of sun or a lot of time. But EarPods don't, they're not large batteries. like So you should be able to charge them relatively quickly.
0: Yeah. And um, they have active noise cancellation. They also have transparency mode, which is a feature that um, the AirPods have that allows you to hear some background noise so that you're not totally out of it when you're out walking. And you might like run into someone or it can be a real danger if you're biking or running alongside a road and
1: how's the sound quality
0: pretty good i mean i really i've been using it for zoom calls and things like mm. that i haven't been using it for music a lot for podcasts i've been using it actually that's not true i've been using it at the gym also so i do play music and they seem pretty good i definitely am not like the greatest audiophile out there so i don't i don't know but i, I haven't noticed a big difference for my airpods okay so, the big complaint that I have is that when in the case, they still seem to be trying to connect
1: to Oh, things. see I, I knew there was a catch, and I this know. is why I'm so loyal to my airpods, which just seamlessly always work magically.
0: yeah, so the nice thing about these is that it's really easy to switch between my Mac and my phone. Um, I've noticed that some other third party air uh, earbuds like have difficulty. You have to like go in and unpair and repair or have forget the device. Haven't had any issue with that switching between my Mac and my iPhone. But on the way home from the gym, I've like put these in their case. And then I'm trying to talk via the Bluetooth on my, in my car system. And it keeps on trying to connect to these mm, and it's
1: driving me bonkers. That is, yeah.
0: So I've messaged, uh, you know, the the PR company that sent me these to let them know because this is a product <laughs> that just came out. You can get them on Amazon for one fifty, but on their website it says still like order soon. Oh, funny! So brand new product working out some bugs by a really cool concept and and I'm having fun with them.
1: Definitely a unique concept. Like a lot of times, especially in in things like the headphone space, you just get a lot of me too products where they're trying to like just copy what everybody else is doing out there. And this is unique and interesting. So I'm curious to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah. I'll keep you posted.
2: I'm still loyal to my AirPods. Sorry guys. (laughs) Today's iPhone life podcast is brought to you by Matthias. Matthias makes keyboards that look and feel like the discontinued Apple keyboards, but they've improved upon the design a lot. For one, they've added the numeric keypad over on the side. I think this is essential, especially if you're doing spreadsheet work, anything where you're inputting a lot of numbers. I personally find the number pad to be critical on a keyboard. They've also added two extra USB ports so you can connect a mouse, a hard drive, anything you want right there to your keyboard. There's a precision volume adjuster right on the top, and I've got the wired version, but they also have a wireless version, a Bluetooth one, that can pair to your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, up to four devices, and you can switch between them in an instant with the push of a button. The wireless one also has an incredible battery life. You only have to charge it once a year. Also, I just wanna say it feels great to type on. They've really improved on the form of the keyboard. Honestly, no matter how you use your computer, it's such a game changer to have a good quality keyboard. It makes such a difference in your daily quality of life. You can find Matthias keyboards at Matthias.ca. That's M-A-T-I-A-S dot Upgrade your keyboard today with Matthias.
0: All right, so I think we're ready now to talk about the Apple Spring Buyers, guys. I'm excited. I know, I've been looking forward to this conversation. So um, we're going to be talking today about the new MacBook Pros that feature the M2 Pro and M2 Max chips. Sorry, I'm like, it's such a mouthful. I need to make sure I'm saying that right. Uh, Also, Apple came out with an M2 Pro Mac Mini and uh, an updated HomePod so we'll talk about all that we're also going to talk about some of the devices we're expecting later this spring because that might affect whether you want to buy these or wait. yeah
1: yeah we'll do a more in-depth room roundup down the road but for a buyer's guide it's important to know what's coming when you're making these decisions so let's start just all the way back at the beginning here Apple I believe it was at end of January or early February released these
0: it was january it was yeah, january mid-January.
1: so yeah they did it mid hiatus which was inconsiderate of them yeah. uh but we are <laughs> here to get you all caught up they did the other thing they did which was inconsiderate was they did it all via press release yeah so apple typically has a spring event it's possible they still will but it seems likely that this was there in lieu of a spring event releasing products via press release um and i think you know we'll get through each of these but Some of it was released when Apple releases products via press release, it's because they're not that excited about them. So I think that's sort of a little bit of a spoiler in here. Um, The last thing before we dive into it, just to kind of define, we're going to say the word M2 a lot. Uh, Mm. So Apple, was it just last year or two years ago that they introduced Silicon?
0: Two years, or maybe even, I think it was end of 2020.
1: Yeah, wow, it's been a little bit. Okay, so Apple released... Apple Silicon. So they used to use Intel chips in their Mac computers. And that's, you know, obviously Intel is the largest chip manufacturer in the world, to my knowledge. Uh, And they are in mostly most of the PCs as well. So Apple switching to their own chip was a huge shift. Uh, And when they did that, a lot of people, including us, were a little bit critical and concerned. But largely, these chips have been very well reviewed. Um, So up until now, we've had the M1 chip, and we've had the M1 Pro. Uh, So these are the first offerings. I guess they had an Apple Air. They had a MacBook Air with the M2 chip that came out last year.
0: Mm, That's a good question. I've got the M1 MacBook Air, and we're expecting... Yes, they came out with an M2 MacBook Air, but it's still the small option it sells the 13 inch screen. yes so we'll get into it but there are rumors of a bigger one coming out later this spring which I'm excited about. but um, there there is a second generation um, of Apple silicon processors, which is you know the a different term for Apple's M1 um, chip. So they've got the M1 and the M2 MacBook. yes, yes. and these
1: are our first though M2 pro pr- products and the mm. M2 Pro, is the more, more powerful chip. Um, so, okay, that's the background here before we dive into it.
0: Yeah, and I think another... So David and I both have M1 machines. Um, yes. You've got the M1 MacBook Pro. I have
1: the M1... Yeah, it's a Pro chip, but yes.
0: Uh, so it's the, uh, And I've got the M1 MacBook Air. So mine's still... A lot less powerful than David's because I've got the base model M1 MacBook Air. But I'll say, just talking about Apple Silicon, I've been amazed at the battery life. The battery and the performance life is the big thing for me of such a slim device. It's really incredible. Um, so I I love my M1 MacBook Air. And for any of you who have an Apple Silicon Mac, uh, kind of spoiler at the beginning too is that you probably don't need to upgrade. Uh, like, that's what I would say, that this a lot of these devices specifically are more probably for people that haven't bought an Apple Silicon computer yet.
1: Well, let, let's dive into it, because um, I, I largely agree, but let's get into what these specs are before, yeah. before we do the compare and contrast. So okay. I think mostly what when Dawn is saying that, what she's talking about is the new MacBook Pro line. And they released, they updated both their 14 and 16 inch. Uh, And the big thing, and this is why I allegedly agree with you, it's pretty much the exact same computer that they already had, except with a newer, faster chip. So if you're in the market for a powerful laptop, this is the computer for you. But if you just bought one, like me, like this one, you probably don't need to upgrade. The chip is faster, it is better, but the M1 Pro MacBook Pro is a really powerful computer.
0: Yeah, not many people are complaining about it. And I think a caveat to what I said, too, is like upgrading from one, like the MacBook Pro to MacBook Pro. Like There might be an argument for going from a Silicon Air to a Pro. <laughs> but anyway, so I think that um, David's assessment is right for especially kind of more just regular workplace uh work and uh maybe more prosumers even the m1 macbook pro is really amazing Mm -hmm. there could be specific uses that are really needing like really high performance where you might need that m2 chip so there are a few differences just in the the make of it um overall it's the same design same sizes you can get a 14 and 16 inch option and you can There's a lot of customization you can do. You can get the M2 Pro chip or the M2 Max, which is even more powerful chip. Um, And there are some changes though, to the actual design of it. The battery life is even better but that's because of the chip Mm -hmm. um it has wi-fi 6e so it's like a little more future-proof just in terms of wi-fi and i wanted to
1: check that i believe that the macbook pro model has wi-fi 6 which is very important because most modern wi-fi's moving forward are going to be wi-fi 6 but 6e is a little bit more future-proof but again unless you have a very specific niche where you need that that probably doesn't matter too much to you
0: yeah um and this is the same, I'm pretty sure at least, uh, for the the MacBook Pro M1 that you have, that you can customize it with up to 96 gigabytes of RAM and mm. 8 terabytes of
2: storage.
1: <laughs> I think they let you max it out more. My memory was that I maxed mine out at 64 gigabytes of RAM. I definitely mm. have 64 gigabytes of RAM. Um, if you are in the market to buy a computer, one of the recommendations I always give is... If you're going to invest a little bit extra, do it in the RAM. I think RAM is a really important piece of the computer. It's what allows your computer to handle multiple uh, software open at the same time. If somebody has a bunch of tabs open on a computer, uh, that it handles that, switching between softwares. So there's a lot of ways in which if you have a lot of RAM, your computer will feel very fast. And if you don't have a lot of RAM, even if your computer has a great processor, it's going to feel slow. It's going to get slow. It's You're going to get that spinny wheel. Um, so I do recommend people invest in RAM. That being said, 96 gigabytes of RAM is just an insane amount. Um, so unless you're doing something like 3D rendering video production, you don't need that much. You need 32 gigabytes is sufficient for most people. 16 is fine for a lot of people. I splurged to get up to 64. That would be like the most you really need.
0: And that's something you pay a lot for too. Yes. Same with the storage. How much, what did, so what did you end up doing and how much did that cost? Okay.
1: So I can't remember how much it costs off the top of my head, but I will tell you how much storage I have right now. And the answer to that is I have two terabytes. Um, that was something, so funny story. Uh, It was very sweet. My coworkers bought this computer on my behalf while I was on vacation. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I didn't actually choose these specs. If I were choosing it for myself, I would probably have gone with one terabyte. I don't really... So, and again, if you you download a lot of files, if you have a lot of photos on your computer, you need storage. If you have a lot of videos on your computer, you need storage. If you're just using it for like WordPress processing and browsing the web, you don't need that much storage. So I would say... A terabyte is probably good. 500 gigabytes is okay, but then you're going to find yourself having to manage it a little bit.
0: And really, like for a lot of us, we're accessing cloud storage files as needed. So, you know, for instance, I'm going to Dropbox and you, there's easy features with Dropbox where it's only downloading stuff to your device when you really need it. And for the rest of the time, it's just keeping it in the cloud. So that makes it so that the MacBook Air is fine for me. Um, So really it's like it's amazing some of the options they give here But you're gonna pay for it if you want to max out your RAM and storage You can go from spending like fifteen hundred dollars to over six thousand dollars I
1: think one of the most important comparisons to make here uh, When talking about the new MacBook Pros is actually with the MacBook Airs Mm -hmm. because I think That's really fundamentally the decision most people are gonna end up making so The MacBook Pros are, I was reading, to prepare for this, I was reading a lot of reviews online, and I agree with the assessment that they're for people who need a workhorse computer but want it to be mobile. So if you do a lot of computer work, if you like, if this is something you're gonna work from as your primary work device, if you work with large files like video, like uh, photo editing for me it's a little silly but i use huge files for i do a lot of data analysis so a lot of excel work a lot of data analysis work i need a powerful computer for that if you are at all in that camp i love 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 my macbook pro but i am of the opinion that for most people who use computers the macbook air is kind of the perfect computer it's like the goldilocks computer where it's kind of they hit the sweet spot For price, for uh, power of the computer. And I think it's a really, really great offering.
0: Yeah, I've got 16 gigabytes of RAM and a gigabyte of storage or a terabyte of storage. Is that right? I think. Um, And I will say that RAM wise is the only thing where I run into some problem. Like I do have to keep an eye on not having too many tasks going all at the same time on my computer. Yeah. So that's something I would maybe up if I were you. Um, but yeah, for doing mostly word processing and accessing cloud storage as I need, it's to- it's pretty great.
1: One of the things of having this job is you end up advising everybody whenever they're making an Apple purchase. So I've yeah. talked a lot of people through this exact decision recently, and that exact configuration you have done is what I've been telling people to get. Really? Yeah, and nice. I, exactly what you said. I'm like, get a terabyte of storage, get 16 gigabytes of RAM. If you want to splurge, get 32 gigabytes of RAM. But I think that the MacBook Air. Is the right computer for most people. Let me add the one extra caveat here, two extra caveats actually. Uh, caveat number one is that the screen on this computer is wonderful. It's mm. a bigger screen, so it's uh, Much bigger. I have 16 inches, but you it's either 16 or 14 inches. It's also micro LED, so the quality of the display is just amazing. Um, whereas the i the MacBook Air comes in the uh, 13 inches, correct? Yeah. So if you are somebody who uses your computer a lot, that might be too small of a display for you. That might be a limiting factor.
0: I think it's too small.
1: Okay, so that's definitely an important factor. The other caveat, because whenever we start making these recommendations, we start by looking at the base models. But if you start really uh, kind of upgrading your computer, you may want to look into this because sometimes if you upgrade a MacBook Air too much, it ends up being much actually more cost efficient to get a MacBook Pro, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because the base models come with more options to begin with.
0: I know. Putting together this episode, I was like, I wish there were more easy takeaways we could give people, but it's actually pretty complex now when you go to buy a Mac. Like, There's a lot of decisions yeah. to make, and it really depends on the way that you're using it. Um
1: I think Apple, though, has gone since switching to the M series of chips, has made it easier for you in the sense where there's two very distinct computers for two different, very distinct work groups. If you, uh, whereas before it was really weird in that the MacBook Air, depending on which configuration, would have better specs than the MacBook Pro, but sometimes the MacBook Pro would be lighter than the MacBook Air, like it made no sense at all. So they've cleaned it up. but there's still it's still not an easy decision there's trade-offs it's um i think that the macbook pro is definitely the better computer uh but it's also the more expensive computer and it's way heavier it's it's, it is not if you're watching this is a good opportunity to plug the video podcast if you're watching the video you're seeing me hold it up it is not a light, thin computer. They decided to make it a powerful computer, but when I first got it, I, I felt like it looked like a computer from 2012 because of how thick it is and how heavy it is. Like It is yeah. heavy. If, so for, again, for most people, you're buying a laptop. Portability matters a lot.
0: Yeah, you're pretty obsessed with that computer though, right? I
1: am completely obsessed. So yeah. it's a funny thing where I tell most people to get the Air uh, and I, I think it is the right call. But if you want to splurge, I love the bigger display. Yeah. I love how fast it is. The battery life is just incredible. And um, and I forgot my and. <laughs> <laughs> and we love it. Yeah. And I love it.
0: Um. So for if you do get the M2 series though, another... Change that you can get there is that for external displays, if you need more than 4K, you can get 8K resolution in your external display. So again, this is for, it feels kind of extra, maybe to a lot of us if <laughs> needing more than 4K, but like for some some people that makes a difference. To
1: compare and contrast last year's MacBook Pro to this one, it feels like the changes they made were specifically for power users. Yeah. So those are the types of things, if you're in video production, are important. If you're not, they don't really matter. Um, the last thing that I would like to say about it, though, because I've been comparing with the MacBook Air a lot, there are a lot of rumors that there's a 15-inch MacBook Air coming out this year, which will probably have an M3 chip. So right now, one of the important trade-offs for the MacBook Air is: Do you are you can you live with a smaller screen? But that trade-off will, may not be there later in the year. So. It, I think for a lot of people, a smaller screen is fine um, because it's so portable and light, it's really nice. Um, but if you're somebody who's listening to this and you don't care, you don't need the world's most powerful computer, but that 13 inch display is just a little bit too small for you, you may wanna hold off.
0: Yeah, just looking at prices too, if you're gonna get some of the new MacBook Pros, uh, there's a 13 inch option, that starts at $1299, I probably wouldn't do that, the 14 starts at uh, 2000
1: the 13 inch option is the computer in the 13 inch MacBook Pro, is the no man's land of the Mac computers. There's nobody I think who should buy it, to be honest, because it doesn't have features that are that much nicer than the MacBook Air, and it's a lot more expensive and it's heavier. There's no reason, in my opinion.
0: So, a strange thing though is where does the Mac Studio fit into all this? Like, would you recommend anyone buy the Mac Studio? Yeah,
1: I think the Mac Studio is for the power user who does not need portability. Um, and I, it gives you a lot, so let's back up. The Mac Studio is a, a configuration that is kind of the, it's like the Mac mini, which we're gonna talk about in a minute on steroids. So it's a desktop computer, but it's not the iMac where the iMac has the screen built in. So it's just the computer, uh, but it gives you a lot of ability to upgrade. It gives you a lot, a lot of power Um, i'd have to do the price comparison i think it's probably if you're looking at you know just pure power for amount spent it's probably your better investment yeah Uh, laptops tend to be more expensive so if you are somebody who wants a home office solution and you do a lot of video editing that is probably the right decision for you but i doubt anybody listening to this podcast It's probably, unless you're doing video editing, photo editing, it's probably not the right choice for you, in part because the M chips are so powerful that you can get a budget option that's like going to more than meet your needs.
0: The device that I'm really keeping my eye on for me is that Uh, MacBook Air, the next generation MacBook Air that's supposed to be 15.5 inches.
1: Interesting. So you are, after all of my loving on this computer, you're still, you like all the perks of the Air.
0: Yeah, I like that it's light. My biggest complaint is that the display is too small and the webcam sucks. Mm. Uh, With the last, the M2 MacBook Air that they came out with, um, already they upped the webcam to 1080 before it's been, the one I have is 720 Yeah. So that is pretty terrible. So, um, that, those things definitely piqued my interest, but now making it a bigger display with what is expected to come out, maybe Q2, maybe at WWDC, or it could be another press release. I don't know. I don't,
1: I um, haven't read the timing of when it's going to come out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think basically if I did that and I got 32 gigabytes of RAM, that would be the perfect computer for me.
1: Okay. So there you go. So if you are somebody, the use case that Don's describing, so, so that you can say, is this me? Mm-hmm. You want, you care about the budget. You want a light, portable device, but you do not want a screen that's 13 inches that's not big enough for you. If that's you, which sounds like that's describing you, then hold off for the MacBook Air that's coming out. If you think that 13-inch screen is sufficient for you, uh, you you like the portability, you like the lightness, then the current MacBook Air is, in my opinion, an amazing computer that's probably the best computer for most people. If you're somebody who either really cares about screen size and quality, if you use it a lot for work and you want a really powerful computer, uh, then the MacBook Pro is a wonderful computer for you. And if you it's are right. going to do the MacBook mm-hmm. Pro, I do think even though we're comparing and contrasting, if I were to buy it today, I'm guessing you could probably track down. I don't know if Apple has on their website the the MacBook Pro Pro. M1s, but I would get the M2. I think the powerful processor will serve you. I wouldn't try to save some money with by getting the M1 MacBook Pro today, but if you have an M1 MacBook Pro, you spent thousands and thousands of dollars last year on it, you don't need to upgrade. You're doing just fine. Is that yeah. How, how do we do on that breakdown? breakdown? I think okay, that's good. a great assessment.
0: <laughs> All right, so on to the Mac Mini. Yes. Apple also released in January a M2 and M2 Pro Mac Mini starting at which is a good deal.
1: Yeah. So, this is, I have a little note here, and I think this summarizes how I feel about it. It's a really good option for somebody who wants a desktop computer, so does not care about portability and already has the accessories. The problem with this is it starts at $600, but you then have to turn around and buy a keyboard, you need to buy a mouse, you need to buy a monitor. So, those things add up really quick. And by the time you spend all that money, uh, you could have gotten an iMac, which is also a wonderful option.
0: Yeah, I think the $600 is a bit deceiving in that way. But for people who already have a monitor and keyboard and mouse and they just want a better computer, this would be a great option.
1: And the thing that they did well for this computer is that they made it a powerful computer. Before the Mac Mini, they sort of they made it their budget option, but it was so budget that it wasn't a very powerful computer. And then why are you buying it and then you have to turn around and you're going to buy all this stuff. And by the time you're done, you could have bought an iMac, which was way more powerful. So this is actually a powerful computer. Of course, you have to start to $600, but the better the computer, the more it's going to cost. But it is a really good option for people who have already have a monitor and have a um, have a mouse and don't care about portability. I keep saying that because I care so much about portability that I haven't bought a desktop computer in years and don't really want to I love having the option of taking a computer with me
0: yeah me too it's pretty like that's a baseline requirement for me yeah at this
1: point. Um, but uh, each to their own um the one thing I will say though is I the in my opinion the best case scenario is what Donna and I do which is we have a giant monitor in our office we have a keyboard and a mouse and we can dock our laptop to that so then you have a two dis- two monitor option because you have yeah. your laptop monitor and your large monitor and you have a really nice workstation while you are at home or at the office and then if you want to go to a coffee shop if you're traveling you have a laptop
0: i know it's actually a bit of a false in comparison in some ways saying that, oh, if you have the Mac mini, you need to get a display and you need to get a m- keyboard and mouse. And if you have a laptop, you don't. Cause for a lot of people, you need those things <laughs> either way. Like for a lot of the work I do, I really do need a bigger monitor. Like at the 13 inch display, I feel really strange yeah. by the end of the day, if I'm just using that. So really I'm starting with a more expensive laptop and I need all those extras. <laughs>
1: So, Anyways. as always, we try to summarize it, and then we tell you why all the reasons or summaries do not account for everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the last thing, though, that I think is a really important data point for the Mac Mini is that, again, this is where the rumors come in. There's a lot of rumors that we're very close to seeing an, a new iMac with an M3 chip. So, that'll be a more powerful chip, although the Mac Mini comes with an M2 Pro chip. So the M2 Pro chip might actually be a little bit more powerful than the M3 chip. I don't know yet. Uh, this is where the Pro gets confusing. Yeah. But if you are in the market for a desktop computer and you don't already have the monitor and the, and the um, mouse, you may want to wait till later in the year to see what iMac is released. Because I'm interested in this computer. I love iMacs. I love the current model. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious to see what the next mo- generation looks like. So that's just the is it a right time to buy a Mac Mini? Yes and no. But, but if you're interested in iMac, you may want to hold out.
0: Yeah. I'm curious with a new iMac if that would be enough to get anyone in our office buying one because uh, a lot of people were really interested in the iMac, but it wasn't quite powerful enough to be like a really great video editor, for instance, with just the M1 chip, so maybe.
1: Yeah, that was, I think, largely our video production team. Yeah. Uh, And then the people who weren't in video production just chose the MacBook Airs because they're light and portable. Um, And even our
0: video team wanted the pros so they could be portable versus the iMac. It was
1: more of a portability challenge. I think it'll be definitely powerful enough to do video editing, and it'll be a very powerful computer, but again, Uh, It's just a desktop computer, and you sacrifice portability, but it comes with everything you need, which is why I tend to like that, because I tend to just like getting it all at once in one bundle. It's a beautiful display. It's a really beautiful display. Um, And so I tend to lean that way over the Mac Mini with a few exceptions, which we discussed.
0: So last but not least, we're going to talk about the new HomePod. Apple's original HomePod uh, for a while was discontinued, and now it's back again in the same form factor. <laughs> at least it's three hundred dollars, and it has some new smart home features to it. Yes. So, David, I feel like you're the biggest HomePod fan of the office. Are you excited? About I this?
1: okay. I have I have thoughts. Yeah. Um, as always, they are complicated thoughts. <laughs> so we were in a really weird place with the HomePod, where. The HomePod was selling on the Apple discontinued it, stopped selling it. You could sell your used HomePod on eBay for more money than you paid for it because it was hard to find. Um, And the other side of that is because it's popular. So the large HomePod has a niche that seems actually pretty important to me because the small HomePod is it's $99. And the sound quality is fine, but it's not amazing. And so when you look at a $99 HomePod, and then you look at a $25 or $30 Amazon Echo Dot, I love the HomePod. I'm like Donna said, I'm a big defender of the HomePod. Uh, I think it integrates with your phone in in much better ways than than the Amazon Dot does, the Alexa Dot. Uh, And I think that, it's just easier to use, but it's hard to justify spending $99 on it when you could spend $25 on, on an Echo. But this product is interesting because it's also a really great speaker, and I love great speakers. I love having a great speaker in my home where I can play high-quality audio from it. So I think in that case, the, what I'm making is the the case for its existence. Mm-hmm. Where I have mixed feelings is Apple did almost nothing to improve it. They did a few small things, but I have the HomePod, which I bought probably five or six years ago at this point, and it's basically the same speaker.
0: Yeah, the sound quality has a few changes to it, but reviews have said it sounds pretty much the same. Yeah,
1: and they actually, I think, took a couple speakers away from it. Again, the reviews sound like it's the same, but they didn't do anything to make it a better sounding speaker, really.
0: Yeah, and then it has a temperature and humidity sensor in there, which for smart home I suppose is useful. I personally... I uh, wasn't as excited about that as if, I mean, if it had like a CO2 sensor or something like that, like I'd probably be more excited.
1: I think it's really useful uh, what for, if you have a smart home. So I'll give you the reason why it's useful to me. I have, and spoiler, we're going to have a smart home podcast uh, coming up yeah. soon. Part of our switching to monthly is we can have a more thorough theme and really spend the time to research it for y'all. So Don and I' have spent months researching home pod or smart home gear so mm-hmm. coming soon but I have an echo or not an echo I have an Ecobee smart thermostat and one of the things that it does which is really cool is it doesn't just measure the temperature in the room where the thermostat is. you can use sensors in other rooms so that you can have the temperature be uh, customized. So, for example, during the day, I make sure that the room where my office is is the right temperature for me. When I go to bed at night, I make sure that my bedroom is the right temperature for me. And to do that, you need temperature sensors. uh, Ecobee sells them, but I have a HomePod. I have a HomePod Mini, uh, and I have an old HomePod. So my HomePod Mini has a sensor in it, uh, and so now I can use that data to send back to my thermostat to better regulate the temperature in my house
0: So that is cool. That's true. I was thinking I have a um, Smart humidifier that already has a sensor for the level of humidity in the room And like we'll turn it off when it's a certain range mm-hmm. and we'll turn it on when it's not so I was like ah, I don't really need that for for that function But I do have an ecobee and it would be nice to have extra temperature sensors sensors around the house because
1: they're kind of expensive to buy and the home, the HomePod Mini is not that expensive to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like it, but certainly it's more, in my opinion, it's a very niche use case. It's like, do you have an Ecobee smart thermostat? And do you uh, want a speaker, a smart speaker? If so, then even then, you're probably talking about the HomePod Mini, uh, which uh, is great. But for the HomePod pod, If you buy one anyway, you'll be happy to have this feature, but nothing about it made me want to buy it more than the original one, in my opinion. How about you?
0: No, I'm not that interested. I think some of it, though, too, for me is that I had a HomePod Mini for a while, and I found the Siri functionality to be a bit lacking. Like, Mm. I had a better experience with my Amazon Alexa.
1: Interesting. But
0: I trust Amazon Alexa less with spying on me all the time <laughs> with being able to like listen to my recordings. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like super paranoid about that kind of thing, but in general, Apple's stance on privacy for its customers, I trust a lot more, but I did find, um, I just found that it didn't work that well. And I found it like, it wasn't that great. Even once they came out with the um, functionality, have different voice profiles that it didn't work that well. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, that's my main complaint. That at that point, I'm kind of like, why, why pay the extra to have it be a smart speaker if I'm not going to really make use of that that part of it?
1: Yeah. Uh that hasn't been my experience because yeah. I have both in my house. It's interesting that so, for you, it's been so great. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And this one in particular, I think the case for buying it, uh is that if you want the sound quality, because I love having a nice, high quality speaker in my home. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to have that and have a smart speaker. Also, I love AirPlay. The ability to stream music wirelessly to multiple speakers in your home is wonderful. And Bluetooth doesn't really allow you to do that. And there aren't a lot of great AirPlay options out there. And they're all pretty expensive. Um, Sonos being probably the main competitor there. Uh, And so I love AirPlay, and this is a great option for that. I have a HomePod and HomePod Mini, and I can stream to both of them, and it's wonderful.
0: And you have Sonos too? I don't have Sonos. I have have a
1: couple third-party AirPlay speakers, which I like as well.
0: Cool. So that is all the stuff that we got. Um, You know, We've already covered some of what's coming soon. The iMac with the M3 chip, the MacBook Air 15.5 inches, and then the ar vr glasses it doesn't quite fit into this episode but i thought it's worth mentioning that <laughs> coming probably soon. pretty soon we're gonna get that which is like we haven't gotten a totally new product type from apple in a while i
1: am so curious about that i, I mean, know it's everybody every tech company in the world right now is just like really banking on the fact that this is gonna that vr and ar is gonna be the next big thing and we haven't seen it yet and I'm so curious to see what Apple does with it. Because in the past, you know, for years, everybody said smartphones were going to be a thing, but we were all using Blackberries, which were fine. Uh, and then Apple came out and really made it the next big thing. And so it, can they do that again without Steve Jobs? I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I think this would be a great theme for an upcoming podcast too, to talk more about that. Because we ha- so our writers have been following all the rumors and we have some articles we'll post uh, a link to them in the show notes if you really want to dig in and like about what we're expecting.
1: And I have a meta quest too. So I have some experience with VR and it's fun. It's wonderful. Whether it's gonna replace phones and computers, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because um, you know, I'm more interested, I think, in the AR side of yeah. things where, you know, augmented reality is superimposing digital products into the real world as opposed to like where you've got your vr goggles on and you're immersed in a completely digital world yeah um it seems like more exciting to me to have something that's blended like that it does seem like that is probably a few years out like now they're saying 2025 maybe we'll get ar glasses whereas now we're gonna get vr goggles that may have some ar components to it i don't know yeah
1: i don't know either Um,
0: but that's like more what we're looking at is like apple's better version of vr goggles when there are a bunch of vr goggles out there so do you like do you use your vr i
1: i said i had it it's actually my stepson's and he has he does it for gaming and he loves it and i like i've done it for gaming and it is amazing like it feels like you're in a different world in a way that like xboxes just don't yeah so it's a really cool experience but no i'm not like using it every day to work or anything like that
0: I'm just laughing to myself because the fact that I'm calling them goggles and people call them headsets more, but yeah, it just shows you what goggles. I think of them. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah. so <laughs> anyway. I think question of the week here. I'm really curious to hear Did you all buy any of these devices? What did you think of Apple's spring announcement? Mm-hmm. And are you going to buy any of them? Uh, and we've really appreciated you all have gone out of your way to send us a bunch of emails lately, and we love hearing from you. So podcast at iPhoneLife.com.
0: And also make sure to write in with theme requests coming up because now we're planning out more episodes. We've mentioned to you things like our smart home theme. We're going to also be talking about iOS 17 rumors soon. Um, We'll also maybe be having a themed podcast about david's david's tesla (laughs) i was gonna float that out
1: there is a let me know if you're interested so smart cars i just got a tesla and i feel like it's a i'm discovering that smart cars are suddenly like this super interesting new world and i would have fun covering that a little bit but it's a little farther removed from apple than we normally get is that interesting to you all are you all interested in electric vehicles smart cars or are we too far out so Let us know about that too, podcasts at iPhoneLife.com.
0: Yeah, insiders, stick around. We have some extra content exclusive for you guys and we'll see you all next time. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks everyone.